The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey, Pick 6 listeners, it's Debo, and when you hear my voice at the top of the episode, you know something went down in the NFL. So we recorded this episode on Friday, and 15 minutes after finishing, those wild draft trades were announced. This is still a really great convo between Will Brinson, Ryan Wilson, and Josh Edwards, and almost all of their analysis still applies. Just know that when they discuss the top of the draft order, it's obviously now the 49ers at 3, Dolphins at 6, and Eagles at 12. We just wanted to make that clear. Enjoy this episode and put some respect on Ryan's belief in Mac Jones. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Monday, March 29th, and that means it's time to talk some draft. We don't have a mock draft yet, or we don't have a mock draft on today's show, but we are going to look, uh, you know, we're going to take a different draft focus with Ryan Wilson and Josh Edwards. Make sure and check out the mailbag from Friday and over the next few days, three days to be precise, we will have eight mini pods as we go division by division and hand out free agency grades. So subscribe if you're not already and rate and review. If you want to leave a mailbag question, five star Apple, pod, Apple podcast review. We will answer anything you, any question you have about whether it's draft, free agency, anything related to the off season. When I'll get my hair cut, which you actually can't tell that my hair is long in this on the, because of the headphones, but my wife is complaining. And, Can we um, see it? Uh, let's see. No, no, take really. your hat off, weirdo. Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. Um, Hair plugs, clearly. <laughs> By the way, it's still madness, madness time in the sports world with the NCAA tournament as crazy as ever. But you're a diehard sports fan, which means you want to stay in the know with all sports. And that's where CBS Sports HQ is your streaming answer. Just think about what's on tap this week alone. NFL draft and all-season coverage. MLB opening day is Thursday? What? Bellator 255 Friday. Oh, we could have seen that coming. Golf picks and highlights and, of course, unmatched breaking news coverage. We could go on, but you get it. Sports never sleeps, and neither does CBS Sports HQ. It's available on your computer, your phone, via the CBS Sports app, your connected TV. I leave it on all day. If you live and breathe sports, I'd tell you to do the same as well. I won't, of course, point out that Tebow, in writing that promo, completely glossed over the fact that the Masters are almost here! Feels like everything's... Everything's kind of coming back a little bit back to normal, doesn't it? Um, anyway, joining me now, Josh Edwards, Ryan Wilson. What's up, guys? Hey, hey, hey. 
What's going on? I think uh, the fans need to know that the hat that you're wearing is actually used to cover the glorious man bun that you've been growing over the past six months. There was a discussion. That's the first Josh talk. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome to him. There was a discussion about a man bun on uh, on Thursday at my house. My, mo- my mother-in-law came to town, and she stayed for nine hours. And um, Now that you were counting the minutes. Uh, yeah, right, right, right. It's like, oh, it's weird. It's, you know, you know, you should know one other night. Actually, it was, may have been closer to 10 and a half. Cause at one point I was like, I wanted to say, if you guys, why don't you guys stick around for the 90? That way you get the full 12 hours in. Um, just kidding. So very quickly, we're going to talk some pro day performances and discuss that. But, uh, very quickly, much to Debo's chagrin, I want to point out a couple of, cause I happen to have some, Props available on my local here. These are not widely available right now, I don't think. But um, draft props are – there's like just a ton of value in draft props, in my opinion. I think that if you can sort of get ahead of the curve and follow the information, and obviously, you know, it, it helps to know people around the league, know what teams are thinking and all of that, and we want people to win on these draft props. So, you know, if, if you have a draft, draft prop question, if you see anything out there, by all means, let us know. Mo- I mean, I was really surprised to see these, honestly, because I don't think that if you, like, I don't think William, William Hill is offering draft props yet. I could be, I could be wrong, but they're going to be available some places offshore, et cetera. Oh, no, they are. Um, like they have Zach Wilson, uh, William Hill has Zach Wilson versus, uh, Justin Fields. Zach Wilson is minus 440 to get drafted before Justin Fields. Um, so they have, a, they have some of those draft props available. First overall pick, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, that's, you know, set in stone, all of that. And, um, I, oh God, they have a ton of stuff. First over offensive lineman drafted. All right. So we'll, we'll, we'll get into those in, in full detail eventually, but I just wanted to point out a couple that, um, stood out to me. First wide receiver drafted. I, I see, uh, Jamar Chase. He's minus 175 at William Hill, minus 222 on my site. Devontae Smith plus 135 on both. And Jalen Waddle, five to one for me and seven to one uh, on William Hill. I, we kind of all agreed in sort of talking about it that Jalen Waddle makes a lot of sense at that price, right? Yeah, no, I think so. And Josh, you can go ahead because you actually were making your case earlier. Yeah, I think it's similar to, uh, you know, during the season, like when Frank Stample is on, um, you guys are talking about game flow when it comes to fantasy football. You have that same kind of principle with the draft because not only do you consider the overall talent level of these players, you have to consider who might actually be in the market to take a player at that position and which player might actually fill that role the best. So um, when you're talking about value, Jamar Chase is probably the top wide receiver in the draft. But if you're looking for value in these these early odds, Jalen Waddle is is a really good value at this point because He's going to be more of a fit for the teams that want to challenge the field vertically as opposed to just having the guy that can do a little bit of everything. So if you're looking for a guy that's strictly going to be able to take the the, the top off the defense, um, Jalen Waddle is more of a fit. Yeah, and you think about it from last year, Henry Ruggs was the first wide receiver taken, and that was a surprise, right? I mean, we you know, most people thought it would be C.D. Lamb. Uh, I, think, or- I think Briscoe actually came around like a week before the draft. He he was on the Henry Ruggs train. But Jalen Waddle and Josh, I don't know if you agree with this or not. Jalen Waddle's way better than Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs was coming Henry out. Henry Ruggs. And- Henry Ruggs. <laughs> that's a, that's He's a, a little baby. <laughs> <laughs> Henry Ruggs. 
And we works. No, I, I agree. I, I think Waddle's much better. Uh, coming off the injury, so you have to deal with that. And then the other one that stood out to me was, um, first running back drafted. I actually, I guess the odds are, I thought they were crazy at, uh, on hashtag my local, uh, uh, Travis Etienne plus 130 and Javante Williams three to one. But at William Hill, there's actually, uh, Najee Harris, the favorite, Etienne plus 110 and Javante Williams eight to one. Um, Josh, you, you know, you pointed out, Javante Williams a sleeper there, but certainly ETN and, and Williams offering good good value, right? Yeah, no question. I mean, Najee Harris is going to be 23 years years old at the draft, um, and we talk about the amount of wear and tear that running backs have on them, um, age. All of that is a consideration because realistically the career span of a running back is a little bit shorter than other positions. So when you're trying to get ahead of the curve, um, you know, you might be more drawn to a guy like Javante Williams or Travis Etienne that, ha- that that's a little bit younger and might actually be able to play a little bit longer. So that's where I think you really find good value. But again, it all depends on the team that's in the market for a running back and who might actually take them. Yeah. So, um, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Wilson. No, I was just going to say that the only I don't have any concern about Najee's age because we see this a lot. We just saw with Leonard Fournette who just resigned a one one year deal with the Buccaneers for four million dollars. It's going to be one contract and done for most of these running backs. So he'll be 27, 28 or whatever when he's done. And that's it. He'll go on to his second contract, which won't be a big money deal because running backs, unless you're to borrow Prisco's term and airback, probably you're not going to get paid. And, um, I don't, he doesn't strike me as an airback. AT is probably closer, but if any one of those three guys went first, I, I would not be shocked. And I guess probably 18 is the starting point. That's when the Dolphins have their second, second pick. Um, but anything before that would seem like yeah, that would be pretty surprising. But if Javante Williams, like I love eight to one Javante Williams going to first overall, uh, the first running back taken. That to me is great value. And it could be one of the honestly, that could be a prop that you're you're sweating overnight because there's no running back goes in the first round. That wouldn't be entirely shocking. Like I don't just think the first running back taken, or it has to be the first running back. No, 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 no. It's just I'm saying like if no running back is taken on the first day, that bet would carry over to the second day, and then oh, you would gotcha. yeah. Right. I mean, and so I mean. But it, it was like uh, T. Higgins over under last year. You know, you, you, yeah. you're thinking you got it, and then, oops, he gets you on the first pick of the second round. Right. Uh, I, I, I at least looked at Rondell Moore, by the way, 65 to 1, first wide receiver taken. I don't think it happens. Mm-hmm. But his pro day at Purdue, Wilson, uh, certainly gave people a little bit of pause in terms of the numbers, right? Well, jaw dropping and, uh, and part of it, he ran a 429, I think. Uh, he had a 42 inch vertical. Uh, the pause part was that he was 5'7. So it's great that he's 180, but, uh, 5'7 is, is short. And I was, I was talking to someone in the league about this, uh, this week and they didn't know he was 5'7. They knew how fast he was. They knew how he played on the field, but they said, Oh my God, 5'7. That, that, they were like going from, okay, he's almost certainly not a first round pick as a wide receiver 5'7 to, they're like, he, does he fall into the third round? Which seems bonkers because he is so good. He's not like a little gadget player. He's basically, sounds goofy to say, a miniaturized version of Tyree Kill because Tyree Kill isn't, isn't exactly looming over people. But the other issue, and Josh, I wonder what you think about this. He only played seven games the last two seasons. So the injury history is there and he's five foot seven. So I would love to see him go to the Packers. Like I think that's a, a great destination for him, even in the first round. But at five seven, he feels sort of limited. Yeah, if, you know, I'm a team that's in the market for a wide receiver, specifically one that um, is going to be able to provide me with a lot of speed, I would love to hear that other teams think that he may not go until the third round because 
if I have a creative offensive play caller, I'm going to take him in the second round all day and not worry about it because you talk about the amount of explosion that he has, not only with the sub 4-3 40-yard dash, 42-and-a-half-inch vertical leap as well. So you see that explosion in his lower body, one of the strongest wide receivers in this draft class pound for pound. Um, when he came back to Purdue this past year, they were hoping – uh, his camp was hoping that they would be able to challenge the field a little bit more vertically with him. Uh, we didn't see that. So I don't know if that's something that's going to be a part of his game moving forward. I think you can bank on him being used more in the misdirection, the jet sweeps and arounds, you know, all that kind of stuff and work on getting him in space. I think that's his sweet spot. Um, but the Packers are a really good fit because I think back to when Aaron Rodgers had Randall Cobb. Cobb was – not nearly as fast as, as Rondale Moore, but just a really fluid mover, um, really natural motions, was able to do things with the ball in space. That's who Rondale Moore is, but a little bit quicker. So if you give him a guy like that to pair with Devontae Adams, I think you're you're cooking with gas at that point. I mean, I know he's no Will Fuller, but, uh, <laughs> you know, D- Devontae Adams and Rondale Moore is a, is a pretty good combination if you ask me. By the you way, we, anybody, we need, you, hold on, hold on. We need a bell for every time Josh mentions a Kentucky player because he got that in early. He got in Randall Cobb. More, impo- more importantly, Josh has made multiple references in the first 15 minutes of this podcast to things that happened on this podcast. As 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 I've noted, that's how you keep coming back. You, 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 you know, like it's not like a you get the show Levitard type of thing, but but. We appreciate and we, it. we haven't even talked about it. Rondell Moore returns kicks too. So he's, he's yep. a four down player. He's incredibly dangerous. If he were five nine, he'd be a first round pick. Five seven, I think some teams might have pause. I don't mind him at the bottom of the first round if you're the Packers. I don't mind him in the middle of the first round for being honest about it. I think Josh is right. You find ways to use him. And my only concern if I'm Green Bay to pass on him, what if the Chiefs take him? Like what if they take him at the bottom of the first round? Then what? Yeah, I mean, that's fair because the Chiefs have added, you know, Kyle Long and Joe Tooney. You know, we, we assume that they're probably going to take a, a lineman at some point. Maybe they bring back Mitchell Schwartz. We'll see what they end up doing in terms of the offensive line, but I would never put it past Andy Reid to toss another offensive weapon in, in the mix in terms of, in terms of what he wants to do. But yeah, more, if you're setting his over under for where he gets drafted right now, I think coming into his pro day, it was probably something along the lines of like, 20, not 30 and a half, maybe? I was going to put it at 40 right now. You put it at 40 right, right now. Yeah. So and you're taking, you... you're taking the under. What are you taking, Josh, at 40? I would probably put it at 35 to make it a little more interesting. Um, 40, I would probably be inclined to take the under just because mm-hmm. I think somebody's going to fall in love with the amount of athleticism and speed he brings to the position, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was over as well. So, you know, I mean, that's what you're looking for when you're setting over-unders. I think he's going to be a polarizing prospect and not everybody's cup of tea. Do yeah. love it. I do love that, like, Josh quasi-dunked on you there. with like, I'd say it at 35 and a half. That's a little more realistic, Ryan. <laughs> Josh spent the last two days writing jokes. And Steve <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, look, 5'7", 180 is not exactly, you know. He play, he's played seven games the last two years, too. So, that's, I mean. That's a. I mean, is Deshaun Jackson just the comp? Is that what we're looking at? Here? I think he's sort of a, a smaller version of Tyreek. I think he's that explosive. He's bigger than, than like, Deshaun's slight. Tyreek is thick. And I think that clearly, as Josh noted, Rondell's thick too. He's five foot one, 180. He weighs 10 pounds more than Devonta Smith and he's five inches shorter. 
Mm. Now I'm sort of doing the math on my head about how much I weigh and how tall I am. And I guess that makes me, I guess that also makes me thick. Um, yeah. <laughs> tree trunk legs. That's right. It's, it's all, it's all in the lower body. Micah Parsons and Jason Oa. Is it Oa? Did I get that right? Oa. Oa. Uh, both out of Penn State. Uh, naturally, Debo's in charge of this rundown. So you knew Penn State was going to find its way onto here. How much did these guys help themselves at their pro day, Ryan? Uh, they, they balled out. I don't know if they could have done much better. So, um, OA 436, I think is the number that we saw from the Big Ten Network for OA. Uh, the scout told me he, he, they had him at 441 and actually Micah Parsons was a little faster, but it doesn't matter. 439, 436. What's the difference? Uh, they're both moving. One's the uh, off ball linebacker, Micah Parsons. Jason OA plays on the edge. I love both these guys. From what I understand, OA is, uh, is less off field concerns. There are no, I mean, there's some sort of weird things going on with Micah Parsons, uh, early on in his career. I don't think it's been anything recent in Penn State that people talk about his off field concerns. So I was asking about that and what I was told is basically immaturity issues. So you don't know if Micah Parsons is going to be a guy that comes in and is all about football. If he's laser focused, you have very little concerns with Jason Oway. Micah Parsons is a top five player, but I do wonder if some of those concerns, quote unquote, because again, from what I understand, it's nothing serious unless I miss something. He might slip a little bit into the, in the first round, maybe falls into the teens as opposed to going seven or eight or whatever. Jason Elway is interesting because he just started playing football as junior in high school, had no sacks last season, but he is explosive. And I think he's a guy, and I've sort of compared him to, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll beat Josh to the punch. I've compared him to Bud Dupree before Kentucky's own. And that I think it takes two, it'll take him two or three years to hit his stride. But once he does, people will be like, Oh my gosh, why wasn't this guy a top 15 pick? But I still think he goes to the bottom of the first round. I would certainly take him if I'm the Titans, even though they've gotten some guys or the Steelers, um, the Bills, like there are teams that could certainly use him down there. And he could be a guy you bring in situationally and he could have a lot of success early. You know who I'm circling for Jason Oway? It's the Baltimore Ravens. Oh yeah. Losing Matt Judon, losing Yannick Ngakwe. Um, which team values length at the edge rusher position more than any other? It's the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, they look for that in, in every edge rusher that they bring in. They churn edge rushers. They had Zadari Smith. They had Pernell McPhee. Um, obviously the latest crop with Judon and Ngakwe. That's a team that makes a lot of sense for me there at the bottom of the first round for Owe. Mm, I like it. And I mean, that's like you said, with Judon, you know, gone, that's certainly a position of need for them. So. Would make a lot of sense. And, you know, they're a team. I mean, is he, is, is, is Owe a guy that can step out of the box and be immediately productive? I think he needs to be, he hasn't played a lot of football and, um, he's really good against the run. The PFF metrics bore that out. Um, like I said, no sacks, but he's, he pressures quarterbacks. Um, I was watched the, a rewatch Ohio State game yesterday and I was impressed with what he did. He, he didn't sack Justin Fields. Um, there is actually a moment Justin Fields scrambles and I think there's some, um, tweet out. That Justin Fields as people put out where Justin Fields ran a four for one. Justin Fields is actually outrunning Jason Oway, which gives you some idea how athletic Justin Fields is. But I thought Oway right. played really well. I think he was going up against Thayer Mumford for much, much of that game. He returned to Ohio State. He's going to get drafted next year when he comes out. But, um, yeah, I don't think he's a guy that he can't start right away. He's not, I was going to say he's not TJ Watt, but TJ Watt was pretty productive early on. <laughs> I hope he's not. I mean, he's TJ Watt. But I T.J. Mean, Watt, why, why didn't T.J. Watt should have been a top five pick? I mean, it's like point. A, he's like J.J. Watt's brother. It's not like he's some random. It's like, why can't he just be? He fell to 30, and, you know, he wasn't bendy or whatever the, the complaints were at the time. But I, I think that he hasn't played a lot of football. So I think situationally you have to use him uh, in, in a smart way. And then 
in a couple what, of years. He'll what's play. the what's the deal? What's the deal with these Penn State uh, defensive like edge rushers being so good against the run? Like Yedigros Matos was really good against the run too. That's a question for Debo. I don't have an answer. They can't win. <laughs> James Franklin can't win games that matter, but he can produce really productive edge rushers that go high in the draft. Like beat Ohio Isn't State it? once. I dare you, James. But like make a guy that can run four wow. three six. <laughs> um, and the thing is, the, the guy that's not on here, Shaka Tony, ran a four five five. So uh, he's the other edge. He played the opposite side of of away. So they got some some dudes, as they say, on that defense. But right, Michael Parsons in place. So maybe that's why they did beat Ohio State. And every year we're talking about these Penn State athletes that just test off the charts. So I don't, I don't know if they've got Michael's secret stuff in the, uh, the Gatorade coolers or not, but, um, <laughs> something's going on over there because every year they're producing some freakish numbers. I mean, I remember Troy Apke, the safety a couple of years ago, um, just tested phenomenally and he rose up boards at that point. So Penn State to so whatever they're doing is, uh, is, is working out pretty well. At least on the track. The, the X and those things I need to yeah, sort if this, out. If it was a track meet, we'd be uh, perennial Big Ten champions. <laughs> beat Ohio State once. I dare you. God. <laughs> he beat him once, just to be fair, so people don't come at me one time. Was that that? Uh, was that the late night game? Yeah. Like a crazy ending? Yeah. Blocked punt. That's right. Ooh. Um, Good old days. Marcus Allen, your boy uh, on the Steelers, Ryan. Ooh, yeah. That's, he's the only one left on the defense. Yeah. I, think, I remember, I remember watching that game. We were out at, uh, out of my buddy's house camping out back when you could hang out with other people. Trey Lance had a pro day for North Dakota State. Uh, six, measured six, three, seven, and a, six, just under six, four, 224 go. pounds with, uh oh, nine and one eighth inch hands, 31 and a half inch arms, and 76 and three quarter inch wingspan. Did, did his pro day, uh, Josh, do anything to, move Trey Lance up or down your quarterback list? Honestly, no. Um, you know, pro days for me, it, it's if you still have remaining questions, you kind of validate or uh, de- deny some of those claims. But we really shouldn't be learning too much from these pro days at this point. I mean, you know, we've watched several games of each of these guys. Um, you know, Trey Lance is obviously a little different because he only had one game this past year. Several, but... several is accurate with Trey Lance. I mean, it's literally several. Well, when I say several, you're basically watching the compilation of his collegiate career because he had one this past year and only a year of starting experience before that. So, um, you kind of have to go back a couple of years, but I mean, you know, the pro days are constructed to where they're going to accentuate a player's strengths. So the questions that you have as a quarterback, you're not going to see that during a pro day. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And it was scripted. And like, every, I always go back to the 2014 pro day for Johnny Manziel where everyone was losing their minds because, as Brinson reminded us, he was wearing camo. And as I point out, he was wearing a freaking helmet. George uh, W. Bush was there. Zinging balls around. Like we're it was, blasting rap music. But uh, W is there. It's like, I mean, it was crazy. It was a carnival atmosphere. And, in, uh, in hindsight, it should have been a, yet another red flag for Johnny Manziel that that was his pro day. So, I mean, Trey didn't have a lights out pro day. It was fine. Some balls were dropped, some passes were thrown. No one cares. And I think Mac Jones' pro day, we'll talk about him in a second. He wasn't lights out, but you know what you have. I will point out to this, this interesting, um, stat, if you will, from Jordan Reed of 
the draft network. He, he put this in one of his mock drafts and I just made a note because it's really good. So 17 career starts for Trey Lance. The only quarterbacks that have started 17 or fewer career games and have also gone on to been first round picks. Kyler Murray, Cam Newton, Dwayne Haskins, Mark Sanchez, Mitchell Trubisky. So, uh, that's a, that's a varied list. Kyler and Cam are obviously at the top of the list. Dwayne in, uh, is at the bottom of the list and Sanchez and Trubisky are in the middle. So. Hopefully you get something better than Dwayne and, um, fingers crossed you get something like Cam, but I don't, I mean, I don't know. But like the thing about that is Kyler only, Kyler starts were limited because of Baker Mayfield. Cam's starts were limited because he just transferred in after one year and they ran that crazy Gus Malls on offense. Man, that's a red flag. And also they all played power five football. Right. Right. Yeah. They all did. So. FCS is the the other thing, so I don't know, Josh. Are you? At, what are your concerns with Trey Lance? Like, what's your floor for Trey Lance? Is it worse than Mr. Bisky? Um, jeez, like, yeah, that's that's setting the bar uh, down there, and you know we can pass some blame off to Chicago as well, but um, that's probably fair. I mean, just because we haven't seen know. a whole lot from Trubisky, you know, it's he's. Still got plenty of career ahead of him. Maybe he turns it around, but what we've seen so far hasn't been that impressive. Um, you know, Trey Lance, it, it really is all the inexperience that he has the position because so much of learning the position and playing the position is experience and, um, you know, knowing how to read the defenses and, you know, working through your progressions and all that stuff. And, um, you know, to, to Trey Lance's credit in North Dakota State, they do a really good job of putting those players through what's very closely identified as a, as a professional type, um, you know, week, you know, they go through, um, you know, the reading, of, the reading of defenses, the film study, they, they go through all of that stuff. So he's not some guy that's, that's coming in, not knowing how to read defenses. I mean, he's, he's a smarter quarterback than probably what many give him credit for because he has been putting in the work, not only while he was at North Dakota state, but even since then. So, um, you know, the idea that he may not even be able to come in and, and play early, I think, is probably a little bit outdated, especially when we consider that most quarterbacks taking that earlier thrust into a starting position right away anyway. So, you know, I, I don't think he's as raw as um, maybe what it comes across, but you can't there's no substitute for live experience. Um, so there is going to be some bumps and bruises along the way, but. You know, from a from a knowledge standpoint, I think he's going to be equipped to potentially start week one for whichever team drafts him. I think, yeah, I, I think that shouldn't be undersold, the part about him being really smart and what he was asked to do at North Dakota State. Um, and the fact that he's been working this entire time getting better with tuning up the, the things. But, right, to tuning up, like, the his drop and his arming, all that other stuff that he's he's working with Quincy Avery on. Uh, but, I mean, he's he's also been working with Paul Alexander, who was the former Bengals offensive line coach, just to know blocking schemes and to know what each of the alignments are. I mean, his his depth of knowledge is actually really impressive. And, you know, to to seek out um, a guy that's going to be able to coach him up on blocking schemes, I think, is, you know, pretty well ahead of the curve in terms of professionalism. And I'll, I'll just say this quickly. Uh, I think Josh is right. The, the big thing is lack of game. Experience and if he's there in the twenties, I would be ecstatic if the Steelers. Trey Lance there in the twenties. Who knows? You what's, don't know. It, what's his over under right now? It's like ten and a half, right? You have to you have to understand. Like we're in a 
bubble. Like we're in a Twitter draft bubble. So we hear the same things over and over again. So Trey Lance could fall into the twenties. Like we don't know what every NFL team is thinking. And I know I've told you previously that I, I've talked to at least one team that thinks he's the fifth quarterback. So just because Twitter says he's the second quarterback or the third quarterback, it only takes, you know, teams interested in other players ahead of him, whatever it is, offensive lineman, wide receiver, whatever, that maybe, you know, he gets to 17, 18, 19, and then he's starting thinking about it. I also think that we're in not a, uh, I think that misinformation and information from teams with no pro days, with no combine is a lot lower than it has been in years past. Does that seem fair? What does that mean? Like there's usually you get to the combine and you're get you're hearing buzz about oh, tons yeah. of stuff. And right. then you start these teams with these pro days and the buzz is flying around. I mean, there, there have been pro days happening and the teams have been there, but there's not nearly as much interaction just because of the pandemic is still, you know, going on. I mean, it's, you know, it hasn't gone away, even if, you know, it feels like things are opening back up. I mean, so I guess like the flow of information this year feels much different than it ever has before. Yeah. Like normally you'd have like, Oh, like Trey Lance shoots up to the second overall quarterback. And yeah, I mean, yeah, or second overall pick. Like it just feels very different from years past. Yeah. I think that's right. Maybe it picks up leading into the, into the yeah. draft. I mean, we'll see. Um, is Mac Jones a future hall of famer or a future <laughs> commercial real estate broker? We'll tell you next after the break. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of the farmer's dog we make fresh food for dogs we started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog jada when she stopped eating ultra processed kibble and started eating fresh whole food the farmer's dog food isn't fancy it's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs it's better for them and easier for you Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. All right, Mac Jones has pro day at Alabama along with uh, 17 or 18 other future NFL players right? Uh, because that's how Bama rolls. Um, what did you think about Mac Jones? You, you referenced it a little bit earlier, uh, Wilson, but what, you know, one, what did you think about Mac Jones pro day? And two, you know, how high could Mac Jones go? So first of all, I think he can be both a Hall of Famer and sell commercial real estate. That's how good Mac Jones is. He, so. he does look like a commercial. Oh. Like if you ran into him at the local brewery and he was like coming off like some big, you know, uh, warehouse deal, it wouldn't be shocking at all. Like that's no, no, he, he like. would have a sport jacket on. He would have his tie loosened and have on khakis and loafers. No, that's, no, no tie. It's a blue, blue, light blue button up with a with a with a blazer. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's his lot in life. If he didn't realize he could throw a football over hand. So here, I was looking up Mac Jones's numbers just to double check. So Tom Pelissier at NFL Network tweeted this out. These are the numbers from the pro day submitted to the league. So he's six two and a half, just a little bit higher than that, two seventeen. His forty times were four seven two and four six eight. Pretty good. What vertical? Uh, look at that. If that guy lost that pot belly, he could run a four four. Uh, his vert was thirty two. Um, his three cone seven oh eight. Oh, right. So here, here's a, a tweet that someone sent out, Connie. Carberg. I don't know uh, what she does, but she tweeted this out. 
Well, I'm trying to make sure if she like I don't think she, she cares, I don't think she covers sports, but she tweeted this out nonetheless. Uh, Mac Jones is vertical at 32 inches, beat Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, and Patrick Mahomes, and only a half inch less than some guy named Deshaun Watson. His 40 was faster than Mahomes, Baker, Darnold. Um, Josh Allen ran a 4.75. Justin, Ar- Justin Herbert had a 36 inch vert, which is four inches higher, and a 4.68 40, which is comparable. Lamar and Joe Burrow didn't test when they were I mean, coming out. What, what, who cares what your 40 oh. is? No, my point is that you look at Mac Jones. Oh, he's more athletic than we probably. That guy's running a six-second forty, right? So that's sure. and that's been sort of the talking point the last since December, pretty much, about how he's garbage and all this. Uh, I like him a lot, and I was talking to a team this week that that has him ranked number two as their number two quarterback uh, behind uh, Trevor Lawrence, of course. So I mean, like I said, we talk about things in the media, and NFL teams don't always talk about the same thing, so. Sometimes things are different. It is funny how people get so angry though on Twitter if you say something that's not in line with every single person uh, uh on Twitter. So that's why I keep putting Mac Jones in the top five, and I won't put him to the Eagles because I know Debo doesn't like it, but I'll be thinking it. Um, worth noting, Peter King in on in Monday's edition of FMIA Football Morning in America, he said, um, talking about he was talking about Trey Lance, you know. Part of the difficulty in analyzing him, he's played one football game in the last 414 days. Not ideal. Um, and he was had a terrible game, even though they beat uh, Central Arkansas. And then he points out, he says, I mentioned this because one NFL coach whose team is in the market for a quarterback this offseason told me the other day Lance scares him. Quote, he's a guy we all needed to see more of for a lot of reasons. I wouldn't oh, – and then, and then Peter King added, I wouldn't be surprised if Lance is passed by Mac Jones in the first round come April. There you go. I, I, and I think this, like, th- there is something to that. And it's, I don't even know if it's necessarily that Mac Jones is better. And, and I'm not, I'm not saying that he is or isn't. Floor. It's a high floor. He a, he's a high floor. And as you pointed out on the podcast, Wilson, NFL teams are risk averse and there is nothing riskier than taking a guy like Trey Lance. It's, even you can be excited about him, his athleticism, his intellect, all of that. The guy, again, the guy has played one football game in over like a year and a half. That's insane. And Mac Jones, meanwhile, has been on TV a billion times because Alabama rolled to the national title. And yes, he's, warehouses. Yeah. He's, but yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, he's on billboards, like <laughs> heading down I 40. I mean, yeah, he's, you know, he's surrounded by a ton of talent. I mean, Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith, ridiculous there, right? Najee Harris. I mean, we're talking about multiple first rounders that he's playing with, but I, I mean, I do think that a high floor with better athleticism than we give him credit for, maybe it's possible that Mac Jones is, is, hey, Wilson, you need to hit the, you need to slam the table harder for it. You need Josh, to be writing, writing Josh articles. Wants to, Josh wants to rebut that. Okay. Well, I will say he alleviated some concerns with the 40-yard dash, so I feel a little bit more comfortable at least with him going in the first round. I would still take you know those other four quarterbacks above him, but I also understand the line of thinking that says, um, you know, he is – he has a higher floor. We know more about him than what we know about these other quarterbacks. So those that are risk averse, it's the devil that you know versus the devil that you don't, you know? So if you're more inclined to, uh, to take less risk and bring in a guy that's going to help you compete this year, then Mac Jones is probably the better fit for you. Um, you know, you talked about his pro day. He did miss a couple throws down the boundary, but 
in his defense, he wasn't thrown to Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith and all those first round picks that we just mentioned. He was throwing to tight ends Miller Forrestal and Carl Tucker. Uh, so it's a little bit different in terms of the type of speed that he's accustomed to down the boundary. Um, so that's my defense for Mac Jones. I will say I'm coming around to him a little bit, but I'm not quite in the same boat as, as Ryan is yet. Let me tell you this. I think, Prince, maybe I said this to you. Maybe I said it to someone. I think I said it on the radio. If Mac Jones had Tua Tangualoa's body type, no, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Like Mac Jones at his pro day had his shirt tucked in and his britches pulled up to here, like to, just under his, his breastplate. He looked like a an old man going to the beach. That, like right. No, go ahead. I was just saying that's an interesting. Like Tua was people. There was nobody saying Tua couldn't. You know, Tua couldn't go in the first round. Like Tua was never anything but of a, a top ten prospect, right? Put Mac Jones's head onto his body, and we're like, "Oh, that guy's a top ten pick all day long," and and he's not left handed, right? Just hmm. like Tebow, who insists on throwing with his left hand, it just didn't work out. Hmm. That's so. an interesting point. That's it. That's it. That's an interesting. Like, I, I, I that you know that that's an interesting point. It's, it's and I it's, think two is shorter than two is not. Is two a six two, Josh? I don't think he's that tall, is he? It doesn't feel like he was that tall. We don't know how fast he ran, but I mean, he. He didn't two, run a lot. Two is six even. Yeah. I mean, come on. It really, if you think about it, like if you may, if you put two on North Dakota State, he's not getting drafted. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> le- short left-handed quarterback? He doesn't have a great arm. Yeah, with not a ton of power and like he's, a little bit of speed and some decision-making you know, skills. You know what we call that guy? Kellen Moore. That's, hmm. Too far? <laughs> no. I, 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 I I don't th- I think that's a pretty good comp. Where was this last year, Wilson? I know, right? I mean, Mac Jones is 6'3". Yeah. And went to the prestigious Bowls school. Where also Larry Chipper Jones went. I don't know and my, why. And, and Ann Brinson, my mother. Yeah, you didn't go there. You didn't get in. You had to go to the one in Tennessee. The bowl, bowl school is a local. They don't have boarding school. It's in Jacksonville, Florida, man. That's what I just said. You didn't get in. You had to go to the one in Tennessee. I know where it is. The Bowl School and the Macaulay School. Huge Chipper fan. Love Chipper. I have a, I have a Chipper rookie. Uh, Chipper's one of my favorite players of all time. <laughs> Josh, Patrick, sir, Patrick. Hold on. Josh, you a baseball card guy? Or is that, that's probably, he's too, probably too young for that. No, I actually have a, a pretty good sized collection oh. of baseball cards that I've been looking into. I had, uh, I think it was the entire 1988 top series wow. that I've okay. been going through. So just to see if there's any, uh, good cards in there, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I obviously haven't been into it as much as I was when I was younger, but, uh, still ha- have been going through the collection a little bit here recently. Oh, wow. So you have 88. So you actually were, were getting cards, getting sets from well before you were born. Interesting. All right. Cool. Uh, by the way, Josh, spoiler alert. They're not worth anything. <laughs> they are worth something. You said 88? No. 88. So 87 to 91 are all dead. Really? Okay. There's, there's some stuff in 88, 87, 88. Like a Don Mattingly 88 isn't worth anything. It's got rookies the only thing that matter. Uh, maybe you could 88. Griffey Jr. I think 89 was his rookie season. I don't want to get off too far off the field, but I think there was a card because one of my buddies looked it up. I think there was a card in there that was about five hundred dollars in value. So well, maybe eight, maybe 88 is better than I think. I don't know. We all can't win eighty thousand dollars, but I'll take five hundred. Five hundred. Oh, Tom Glavin rookie. Ooh, Tom there Glavin rookie could be a couple hundred. There you go. Oh, 88 is actually a better 80. Maybe. All right. So eight, it's 89. Maybe it's like 90 to 93. That's completely dead. All right. All right. Eight, go ahead. I don't want to get too far afield. I don't want to get 
Actually, just a little. All right, Patrick Sertain. Uh, how? Uh, what's his floor in the draft based on his pro day? Uh, he certainly helped himself with that pro day. He ran in the four fours. He's six two. When you watch the pro day on on television, he looked like a a linebacker. He was thick, and and then um, you know he ran really well, which probably assuaged some concerns. I think the big issue for me now because he's been my cornerback too after. Uh, Caleb Farley. Caleb Farley's had back surgery. It's the second time he's had surgery, that same That's procedure. That's a bit of a concern. I asked someone, I was at, talking to a scout about that. I said, are you concerned? He goes, yes, yes, I am very concerned about that. <laughs> so, cause, uh, they loved Caleb Farley and I liked him a lot. So I think there's some concerns that he may slip a little bit. So that's great news for Sertan that he ran so well and performed so well. And I think, uh, we'll talk about this guy in a second. JC Horn actually did himself some favors too. So maybe there's a, a shuffle. Among the cornerback uh, rankings, now that um, Caleb Farley had that procedure, hmm. so I think Sertan is still the cleanest prospect at cornerback. Um, you know, we'll go ahead and get into J.C. Horn because I'm going to touch on that here too. Do it. Um, he is—he's more physical. He's going to be more aggressive, um, and that is going to appeal to certain teams a little bit more than others. Um, you know, the Tennessees, the Pittsburghs of the world—they're going to love that a little bit more. Um, because that's just the hard-nosed style of play that they've, you know, adopted. Um, but again, Sertan is the cleanest prospect to me. My issue with Horn is he gets a little bit too handsy downfield in his routes sometimes. Um, and with the way that the game is officiated these days, I just wonder if that's going to be a bit of an issue um, in terms of the penalty yardage that he gives up. So I love J.C. Horn. I mean, I had him in the first round back in my first mock draft back in May, uh, when it wasn't as in vogue as it is now. But um, in fact, I've probably swung a little bit in the opposite direction of some people because I do have that concern about his play. Um, you know, Farley with his back issue, it's a little bit of a concern, and he's probably going to be at least the third corner taken now, uh, regardless of how much he tries to under, you know, under undervalue that in, in uh, social media, whether his representatives or him um, is doing that. But uh, so for me, Sertan is still the cleanest prospect. I think his ceiling is number six with, uh, the Eagles. I think Dallas could be a fit at number 10. Um, and I wouldn't be, I'll say that I think JC Horn might be a fit for the Chargers at 13. Mm. Um, with, with Brandon Staley, I think he, he looks for that a little bit more. He's coming from a defense that had Jalen Ramsey, um, in Los Angeles who has a little bit of that dog to his game. So, um, JC Horn, I think is, is a guy that potentially makes a lot of sense there. So Josh actually stole my thunder because I, I think in my, this mock draft that we have to do next week, which will be multi rounds for all of us, I'm going to have Caleb Farley drop into the third cornerback because of this. Uh, and I've had him going first. He's been my number one cornerback every time, but I'm looking at last year's draft class and this is just another example of it's so hard to know how these guys are going to translate. Jeffrey Akuda had a terrible rookie season. Part of that was injury. Part of that was probably Matt Patricia. We can blame him just because I like to do that. But uh, I'm sure he wished he played a lot better. I'm sure he's planning on doing that. But he, he didn't play like the number three overall pick. C.J. Henderson had his ups and downs. A.J. Terrell, my lasting memory of A.J. Terrell, who I thought actually had a pretty good season overall, is that he dropped that interception in the end zone against the Chiefs that would have won that game. They would have beaten the Chiefs, I think it was week 16. And Jeff Gladney struggled. He was outplayed by Cam Dantzler, who was, uh, I think, a third-round pick. Yeah, he went to third round. So, and and then Igbenogany, I am – I had, I don't know how he played. I don't remember how <laughs> he didn't strike me as having, uh, sticking out, but I don't, I didn't follow him closely. So I'm not sure how he played, but, um, you could argue that Jalen Johnson, the second round pick for the Eagles may, uh, the, excuse me, the Bears may have been the best rookie cornerback 
See, um, I was I was going to take it a step farther. I think Legarius Sneed in Kansas City oh, might, yeah. might have a case to be the top cornerback, and he wasn't taken until the fourth round. Not only that, but he was a safety at Louisiana exactly. Tech. So uh, you're talking about projection. I mean, that just kind of validates your point call. right there. Yeah, he wasn't even on the, on the – I'm looking at the pro football reference list. He's listed as a safety, but you're exactly right. He had a great season. Yeah, so he would be one, and Jalen Johnson I think would be two for me. Trevon Diggs had some injuries. He struggled as well. No one really stuck out. But the point, again, these guys are all power five guys except for LeJerry Sneed, incidentally. And the transition's a real – it's a real deal. It's not easy. So we can talk up Sertan and Farley and, and J.C. Horn, but with the understanding that these guys ain't running backs. They ain't just going to go out there and – put up similar type numbers. It's a, the transition's a tough one. I, I, the whole two back surgery thing. I mean, that's a, that's, that's a, a con- major red flag. That's a concern. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. It's a real concern coming off an opt out. Nonetheless, uh, we briefly mentioned Travis ETN out of Clemson as somehow not the favorite to be the first running back taken a thing. I just don't get uh, Wilson. How did he help himself at his pro day? If at all, he ran in the 4-4, four four, so that's great. I, I mean, you watch him play, he plays fast. He's thick from the waist down, like he's really thick and does a lot of things really well. He came back to Clemson because he wanted to win the national title. Clearly that didn't happen, but I think he didn't hurt himself by coming back, and he may have probably made himself money because last year's running back class was so um, top-heavy that Clyde Edwards-Alaire was the only one to go in the first round, but then they had a run of those guys in the second round, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, and – um I think he'll probably most likely be either the first or second guy to go. But I do like the the odds for Javante Williams going first. I just think that's interesting because I've heard some rumors, not rumors, just murmurs, I guess is a better word, that maybe he does sneak in Javante Williams as the first running back. Sure. No, nothing definitive, but I think I like Najee more than most people. I don't know how NFL teams feel like Najee. I haven't talked about him as a first-round pick. But ATN and, and Javante Williams are, I think it's fair to say, more dynamic than, than Najee. So Javante is one of my guys because he plays the position with a linebacker's mentality. I mean, he was a linebacker in high school. So the way that he approaches the game, I think, is a little bit different um, than some of these other players. Uh, Travis's pro day, I mean, he hit that sub-4-5 number in the 40-yard dash. So that's pretty much, you know, what you needed to see. I mean, his his tape bears everything else out. He's, he's, he's improved a lot as a pass catcher. Um, you know, very quick, very explosive. Um, you know, he's got the burst that you look for in the position. So there's, there's a lot to like about Travis Etienne. Um, you know, I would be comfortable with Najee or Travis or Javante, any one of the three being the first running back off the board. Okay. Uh, upcoming. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Um, Aziz Ajulari. Got it. Bang. Out of Georgia. Uh, 26 reps on the bench, uh, 10 feet, seven inch broad, four, six, two, 40 yard dash. Um, and also Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern. We'll just, I, I'm not saying these guys fit together, but we're just for the sake of time wise, uh, lump them together. Um, guys help them hurt themselves in these pro days. So uh, Aziz Ojolari, I think it's going to be my edge rush one and it's close. Wow. Quitty pace number two. Ojolari is a more complete player at this point than just about anyone else in this class. He ran that four six, which is hilarious because it's a full, quarter second slower than Jason Oway ran, and it's a 4.6, which is just mind-boggling. Uh, 4.6 is moving, but I think uh, Aziz is great against the run. He's stout. He's also 
I think he listed 249. He's eight pounds lighter than, um, away, but he doesn't play that way. He plays like a much bigger guy. He's, he's really good as a pass rusher. And I think he's a guy that comes in right away. You talked about can Owe contribute right away. I think Ojalari can do that. Rashawn Slater, teams like him inside. I like him as a, as a, as a tackle. I think his arms are really short. I think a 32 inch arms. That's a huge concern for teams in terms of playing tackle. So he'll probably perhaps his future's inside and that's okay. Uh, you can be really good inside and be a, a top 10, top 15 pick. Uh, but I, I like both these guys a lot. Yeah. I'll talk about Slater because, um, he's probably, he, he's gotten a, a lot more love recently, um, in the conversation of being the first offensive lineman off the board. Obviously, Oregon's Panay Sewell is up there. I mean, he's, I think he's 20 years old or he's going to be 20 years old when the draft comes around. So, I mean, not only is he a really good player, but he's young. He's, potentially going to uh, man the left tackle position for a dozen years. Um, but with Rashawn Slater, I mean, he's, he's just such – when he ran a sub-540 at his size, that was just – that was the icing on the cake because his performance on tape says that he can play tackle. Um, I know with his size and his frame, people want to plug him inside. Uh, we had the same conversation with Jonah Williams. We had the same conversation – Every year about certain guys. Um, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker from USC is another one in this draft class that could be argued as a tackle as a guard. Now that's, that's a guy I think could hold up a tackle, but I think he's better served moving inside to guard. Jackson Carmen, um, another guy I think he's probably better served moving inside to guard. Uh, Jalen Mayfield from Michigan. I think he's very, uh, capable of holding up a tackle, but I understand the conversation that maybe he moves inside to guard. Um, of all those guys, Slater is my favorite because there's no doubt in my mind he can play tackle. And there are not enough good offensive tackles in the NFL today. So to take a quality prospect that can play the position and move him inside makes zero sense for any NFL team. I mean, this is a guy that, um, you know, he's not going to make it to the Chiefs, but the Chiefs would love to have because they need two offensive tackles right now, maybe just one with uh, Mike Remmers, but um, lots of fits for Slater at the top of the first round. And honestly, I don't think Cincinnati at number five overall could lose by taking Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater. I've had them taking Slater with Sewell still on the board a few times. So, you know, Cincinnati fans want to think that if Sewell is gone, um, you know, they, they don't have any options or maybe they have to move down to get the next best guy. I'm fine taking Slater at number five. I'm going to play him at left tackle, right tackle. It doesn't matter every day. The Bengals don't, oh, sorry, the Bengals don't strike me as a team that's, they're like, I think they just settle in at their pick. They don't, they don't move around a whole lot. I think they settle in at their pick and they just take the best tackle available. Yeah. Just so, uh, so we're on the right page. Rashawn Slater had 33 inch arms and Barrett Tucker had 32 and, and one eighth inch arms. So as Josh noted, I like Rashawn Slater outside. I thought Barrett Tucker looked really good outside, but the 32 might, might get some teams, um, fired up about kicking him inside but the good news is both those guys can play anywhere so that versatility is you know great all right uh upcoming pro days full disclosure we recorded this on friday as byu was playing uh, byu michigan and virginia tech um were doing their pro days so you know that's a little tricky but we'll try and handle it we'll be quick and try and handle as well i mean Zach Wilson, I know, had under 10-inch hands, but did measure 6'2", so that's good. Um, is there any way he can just 
like his pro day can't send him falling down the the list. No, right? He is who he is. Like Josh has been saying, I, I don't think this is an opportunity for the front office guys that haven't seen him in person to see him in person. But I, I know the teams travel to see him play in the fall, so um, we'll see what difference that makes. But uh, he is what he is. He's six two, which is great. If he were six feet, I think that would maybe be a concern. But uh, yeah, good for him. I think I didn't see Brady Christensen's numbers. I don't know if you saw them, Josh. The offensive tackle, he played left tackle at BYU. A lot of teams like him. He may have to kick inside too, but I don't know what his measurements are. By the way, we always say that guy may have to kick inside. We don't know. We'll we'll see. Um, <laughs> also, we say it like it's so easy. That's the other thing. Like you can just move inside and play guard if you're spending your whole life playing tackle. Like it's not that easy. So we'll see what his numbers are. I, I like the way he played. I think um I think I had him as an early day three guy. I don't know where you had him, Josh, but I, I he's a good player. Yeah, I liked Brady Christensen a lot last year. I thought maybe he played a little bit flat footed. So um, you know, I was hoping to get back to him a little bit more this year. I, I've been working on his teammates, uh, the guards, Tristan Hodge and and Chandon Herring. Um, and then I'm going to get back to Christensen here soon, but yeah, I liked him a lot last year. He's a guy with, um, some really, really intriguing traits with, with his length, especially, um, Quiddy pay six, two and a half, two sixty one. uh, supposedly ran. I don't know if this is unofficial or official four, five, four, 40, um, very fast. I mean, we don't have that many issues with Quiddy pay. Maybe, uh, his production comes later in games. Maybe that's a bit of an issue, but, um, you know, a guy that plays with a high motor, he gets a lot of pressures. So to see a four five four is incredibly mm-hmm. impressive at his size. Yeah, I love Quiddy Pay. And I thought he made a lot of improvement from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty, even though, you know, it was pandemic season, whatever. He showed up because uh, you hear teams using that as an excuse for why a player didn't play well or whatever. Like Rashawn Bateman, why didn't he have the season he had in twenty nineteen? Well, maybe it was a pandemic. We don't know. But Quiddy Pay has no such excuse in that four five four is great for him. And, you know, we talk about Owe at, at 257, and he, he looks a little skinnier than that, if you can say that. Owe does not look skinny at 261. He looks like he's well-built. He's thick, and, and that's exactly what you want uh, on, a, on a defensive end slash edge rusher. So, yeah, that, that was a, a great number to see from him. Yeah, the uh, the closest comps I saw that were put out there for Quiddy Pay in terms of edge rushers, Frank Clark and D Ford. Yeah, so, and he ran a, faster than both those guys. From a, from a, from a, um, you know, just from a, a measurables mm-hmm. perspective. Yeah, four, five, four, fantastic. Uh, Zach Wilson, six, two, uh, two, fourteen, nine and a half inch hands. Yeah, mm. that's fine. It's okay. Uh, other coming, uh, pro days coming up as people are listening. Uh, maybe I should go out to this on Monday. Carolina's pro day and, uh, Miami's pro day. Which, uh, which one of those is people are listening on Monday. Those pro days are happening. What, uh, what, which one of those is more exciting for you, Wilson? And who are you looking at? Is it What's, the edge? Who, who, who'd you have the edge rushers for Miami or the running backs for Carolina? Well, it's funny that these pro days are on the same day because the last time these teams played, the running backs from, from UNC ran all over the, crushed the them, crushed for them, a, a combined 10,000 rushing yards. Uh, yeah, I, the running backs are fun. Michael Carter and of course talk about Javante Williams. They have De, Deami Brown, the, the wide receiver who a lot of people love. I, I don't get Deami Brown. He, I don't. It doesn't do it for me. Daz Newsom's the other uh, sort of slot receiver they have. So they have some guys there. Sam Howell will be the guy to watch next year. Um, Miami, of course, has uh, Jalen Phillips off the edge. I don't know if Gregory Rousseau's working out or not. He opted out this year. Uh, Quincy Roche it will also be there, the transfer from Temple. So they, they have some players, too. Um, I, I think I'd rather go to the UNC just to see the, see the skill position players and what they could do. Um, what about you, Josh? 
Yeah, I'm glad you're going to be at uh, UNC because then we'll have CBS covered because I'm going to go to Miami if Gregory Rousseau is working out because I need to see how he performs. I am so excited. Are you close enough to Miami or are you just messing around? No, I'm just messing, I'm just messing uh, around. Yeah. yeah, I'm probably not going to go over to Carolina. It's like a 45-minute drive to Chapel Hill. I'm too Yeah, you're, you're, you're a little closer. You know, I'm, <laughs> I, maybe, maybe I'll take a flight down to Coral Gables and uh, get my camping chair out set up in front of uh, the stadium and wait for it to open. But uh, I'm incredibly excited. I mean, this is a guy that has been off the radar for quite some time. You know, he uh, everybody wants to talk about where his production came last year, which was primarily over the center – um, and you would expect a quicker edge rush kind of guy to be able to beat a center. I mean, that's natural. So everybody says that his numbers were inflated. Um, he's been working with Chuck Smith um, in Atlanta to work on his pass rush moves. So I'm excited to see how much he has improved because from a raw athleticism standpoint, a former wide receiver, this guy has as much potential mm-hmm. as any other player at his position. Um, so if he comes out and he checks the boxes, I'm sure he's going to test off the charts, but if he shows the kind of movement, um, you know, that we expect to see out of that position, then I think his stock is going to come back up because right now he has been out of sight, out of mind. So if you see this guy that's, that's rocked up, he's long, um, you know, he's showing all the movement skills that are going to make scouts drool that's going to inevitably push his stock up the board. And he's going to be a guy that we're talking about in the top half of the first round yet again. So I am incredibly excited to see. I don't know if he is going to to perform like you said, but I would imagine that he is or that he's going to at some point because his his camp has to get him in front of talent evaluators before the draft. And there's no reason not to because there's nothing to hide. He's from a physical standpoint – he is everything that you look for at the edge rush position. So, Josh, if you're the Browns picking uh, 26, is that when they pick? Are you taking Jalen Phillips or are you taking Gregory Rousseau right now? Well, if I'm Cleveland and those are my two picks, I'm ecstatic, first of all, because <laughs> I wasn't expecting either one of them to be there. Um, if forced to make a decision between the two based on what I know right now, um, I would probably be – See, the thing with Phillips is he's got that concussion history and there's, mm-hmm. there's a little, there's a little bit more there than, than just the tape too. So, um, either way, you're taking a little bit of a risk, but I think you know a little bit more from Phillips right now than what right. we know about Rousseau. So I'm, I might be more inclined to take him there. I think that's why I'm leaning to. Well, we'll see uh, if Rousseau comes up there and balls out of his pro day. We'll be having another conversation. Rousseau feels like a dude who could shoot up a board based on a crazy athletic pro day. Just yeah. If he runs a four, four, eight or something. Then yeah. you'll hear the Twitter world will explode. Uh, also, the other thing too about this year, it, it does feel like draft boards, and this may not; these are all media draft boards, so it may not matter. But like the again, the, the lack of information coming out, it feels like draft boards are a lot more stagnant because yeah. there's no combine. Like like dudes after the combine, dudes move all over the place. Now things change, mock drafts change because of free agency and all that. But it, it feels like. We haven't seen a whole lot of movement. There's just this group of quarterbacks and then some, a couple of elite blue chip guys and then just this yeah. mall of guys from like basically 10 to 50 who like two years ago, Jamel Dean went to the combine and ran a four three and everyone was talking. I don't, were people talking about Jamel Dean as a day two guy before the combine? Cause I don't feel like they were Josh. No, I don't, uh, 
I could be wrong, but I don't. I think you're. I think you're correct. I don't think he, he was. He ran a four three, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, this guy from Auburn!" And he has an injury history and whatever. But he's been part of that secondary that's been so good. And NFL teams knew about him, but the media sort of caught on later because the guy, oh my gosh, he ran a four three. Yeah. Um. So that you know, be you know, like a a crazy great pro day, in like a post, and also one thing to note, like. For, um, for these Miami and UNC pro days, I, I don't know how much this is worth, but like, there's going to be NCAA tournament games going on then. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. That may, what, is that, what does that mean? Well, I mean, it's just do, like, does it garner as much attention? Oh, yeah. Well, I don't, I think these regional, like, I'm calling it regional, these pro days at these schools aren't even garnering as much attention anyway. I don't feel like the Alabama pro day got a lot of national. Maybe no. because that, maybe again, because the, we're sort of in the middle of this, of the of March Madness. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It just feels like because there was no, com- I, I don't know. It's just, it, I'm not saying but you're it- right. In the combine, it, we devote a lot of time to it on HQ. I mean, Ali Marpet was nobody until the combine and like- NFL network. I think, um, I don't know if ABC televises it or not, but NFL network televises it. It's a three or four or five day event. And also you have everyone there together. So you can see sort of on some level the, the competitive spirit between the cornerbacks group. Whereas at a pro day, you have five guys there and you know, the teammates, they know each other and, and yeah. you. It's all designed to benefit the prospects. The combine is more like a test. Yeah. You know? Um, all right. So here are the pro days we have coming up this week. Oh my goodness. We're already almost in April. Amazing. Uh, leading into Easter, we have Ohio State, Washington on March 30th. March 31st, Florida, LSU, and Notre Dame. April 1st, Oklahoma State. And April 2nd, Oregon. Josh, as our, as our guest and not the regular on this podcast who's been stuck with me for 15 years, uh, I will give you first choice of one prospect to look out for this coming week from any of those pro days. Yeah, we, you know, we talked about, uh, Gregory Russo on the 29th, the guy that opted out this past season. I'm looking at March 30th at Washington. You've got a couple of guys that opted out. Um, defensive tackle Levi Onzerike and, uh, you've got edge rusher Joe Tryon as well. I'm very curious to see Joe Tryon because I love his effort on tape. Um, you know, he's got really active hands. I think he could use him a little bit better in terms of his efficiency. Um, but I love what he shows on tape and I think he's got a, a really high ceiling at the position. So I'm curious to see how he tests. Yeah. Then there's Elijah Molden, the slot receiver for Washington, who, um, Owens Rike described to us on the Pick Six podcast is the smartest guys ever. He compared him to Honey Badger, which I thought was really nice. Wow. And Keith Taylor, the cornerback who I don't think he had a career interception, but he had a really good senior bowl. He's long. Uh, and, and I feel like, um, he, he has a chance to, Continue to impress people. But the guy, the pro day I'll mention is April 1st, Oklahoma State. So Tevin Jenkins, the right tackle, who can also play left tackle. I love him. He plays angry. He plays with an edge. Talon Wallace, the wide receiver. Um, I think he plays much stronger and bigger than he actually is. I think he's, I don't know if he's six feet. I have to check his, his numbers from, from, uh, the senior bowl. Uh, but I like his game a lot. And then Chuba Hubbard is the running back. Yes. I love Chuba Hubbard's a monster. So, uh, he's fun. Th- th- those are two fun yep. school position players and, and Tevin Jenkins is gonna, I feel like, uh, if there's gonna be a first round pick out of, the, out of the group coming out of Oklahoma State, he will definitely be that guy. I'm gonna give you a bonus one before we get out of here. And, uh, be- before I do, uh, Tylen Wallace is gonna be a name that we're talking about a lot more, uh, leading up to the draft because I think he's gonna have a really nice pro day. Um, and his tape backs up him being a possible first round pick. 
Um, March 31st, Ryan set me up earlier. It's the Kentucky Wildcats. We get to see linebacker Jamin Davis and cornerback Kelvin Joseph go to work. Um, I'm hearing that Kelvin Joseph is probably going to run in the four threes. Um, and Jamin wow. Davis is going to test pretty well too. So, uh, Look out for some fireworks in Lexington next week. One quick thing before we get out. So Kentucky's March 31st. Yeah, as long as you guys, as long as Debo knows that it's not me that's, that's sitting the podcast, that you guys. So who do you, who are you taking? Jamin Davis or who also is having the pro day March 31st? LSU's Jabril Cox. Cause they're, they remind me of each other in a lot of ways. Jabril Cox transferred from North Dakota State to LSU. And I thought he made himself a lot of money doing that. I thought he played really well. Yeah, I'm taking Jamin. I think um, his ceiling is a little bit higher. Um, he is very – I mean, this was his first year starting. He was kind of thrust into action. His knowledge for the game has improved every single year. A guy that has missed one meeting in his time at UK, and that was because he missed the text that the time had changed. Um, he's very accountable. He's very coachable. Um, and he's a guy that has, has uh, interviewed very well with teams up to this point. So I think he's – Probably going to be a lock for the top forty when it's all said and done. I like that. I'm not going to bang somebody for missing a text when, like, when you change the time. Like the guy would have going to be there on time with the original time, and then you text him to say the time has changed. Come on, shocker, Brinson wouldn't get right. upset at that. <laughs> <laughs> Debo, Debo's across the room. Oh, I can't see it. Oh, uh, Debo ruined the audio. You hate to see it. No, leave your mic open. That'll be good. Um, Let me say quickly, Debo heard you make that point. He raced across the room, <laughs> fell over, not going to Absolutely. But he got um, it. All right, great stuff, fellas. Tons of pro days, tons of draft content. Tons of pro days this week. Tons of draft content coming up. Well, of course, have you covered with all of it on CBS Sports HQ, so make sure and check us out there. Josh, as always, a pleasure, buddy. Wilson, talk to you guys soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.